Hey there, James here, and you're listening to the Own the Moment podcast, the show where we explore the complex and always evolving landscape of marketing, advertising, and branding, and try to get to the bottom of what it means to be a truly memorable brand. The Own the Moment podcast is brought to you by Como Technologies, a self-service, complete customer engagement platform that helps you cut through the noise to truly connect with your customers and retain and grow those connections over time. With Como, you can build and deploy new campaigns, activations, promotions, and programs in days, not months. And our software is used by some of the world's biggest consumer brands from Heineken to Budget, Goodman Fielder, Foxtel, JLL, Williams Racing, and McDonald's. Learn more at como.tech. Hi everyone, James here, and you're listening to a special live edition of the Own the Moment podcast, recorded live from within Seven House at Sydney's South by Southwest Festival in late October of this year. Let's get straight into it. Welcome everybody to this special live edition of the Own the Moment podcast. Um, it's my great pleasure today to welcome John James. Um, John is the host of the Champagne Strategy podcast, a, a must-listen if you're in marketing, um, has years of experience in digital and growth marketing across Australia and Silicon Valley, and um, whether I agree or disagree with him on a specific topic always gets me thinking. Um, I'd just like to begin by acknowledging the traditional landowners, um, traditional custodians on, of the land that we meet on today, the Gadigal people of the Eura Nation. Um, John, we're here to today to talk about the idea of brand campaigns and explore some of the confusion in the industry as to what is a brand campaign. Um, maybe we'll start there. You've been writing this um, extensive article series online over the last few weeks on what actually a brand campaign is. Tell me, how did you sort of stumble across this topic and what have you learned? Um, well, this really came from some clients that I deal with. So I advise executives on their growth strategy mostly. And what kept coming up is they were being sold brand campaigns by performance agencies, which I found a bit odd, um, considering most people think there's a binary choice between brand and performance. So then I was, I was like, okay, well, what, is, what exactly is a brand campaign? And I, I started to ask a couple of people that are in my network, and I got five very different answers. Then I thought, okay, let's, uh, let's tweet something inflammatory uh, on Twitter and just see what happens. And it sort of blew up. And uh, What was the tweet? If you, can you remember? <laughs> okay. Uh, it said, uh, I mean, this is being facetious, but I said uh, brand campaigns are a scam. Um, you know, uh, that <laughs> I've got the data and it shows that, you know, brand campaigns are the biggest scam in the world, you know, um, convince me otherwise or something like that. And uh, I had a very uh, <coughs> polarised comment section. Um, there was a couple of people from tech, no surprise there, who were like, yeah, uh, you know, that's completely true. You know, this is my experience, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a lot of other people go, no, 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 you're an idiot. <laughs> Um, and like I'd heard all these arguments before, but I just wanted to see what people's thinking process here was. And um, so then I started to probe a bit, go, like, what is a brand campaign? And everybody avoided the, uh, the answer. So I was like, okay, hang on here. And then I thought to myself, actually, yeah, what is it? I don't know either. So, um, so then I sort of crowdsourced some of the comments and probed a bit heavier and then cr kind of created a table of like direct response performance campaign, what do you want to call them, on one side and then brand on the other. Mm. And as I, it's kind of like a strategic method of like dividing a very complex topic and just seeing where the middle ground is here and where the extremes are. And, uh, and that was really cool. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much accurate. And I checked with a couple of people. And I thought, um, you know, we really need a definition here. And then um, someone said in the comments, oh, uh, you know, think different. Brand campaigns work because of think different. And I was like, I know that campaign really well. And uh, so I looked at their financials. 
and their market cap, you know, the, the revenue and all that kind of thing. And did a, quite a big analysis and then wrote a piece about it. Anyway, that piece turned into six and, mm. um, and sort of I'm dripping them out every week. So mm. that's the story. Great. Um, <clears throat> I saw this quote that you engaged with online the other day and it was advertising used to be about big ideas, creating desire, building aspirational worlds. Now it's mostly about optimization, efficiency and arbitrage. A lot of the industry is closer to finance than it is to creative at this point, but we're loath to admit it. Is that wrong or is that right? Uh, I think it's both. Um, for me, creativity has to be commercially creative. So uh, we're in business, like we're not just... We're often spending someone else's money, the company money, not ours. Um, very different with some of the clients that I deal with, which is actually their money. So they, they take a very different view about these things. But mm. creativity that's unrestrained, that's undisciplined, uh, can be really creative, but it can't be always commercially viable. Um, so I think there has to be some sort of discipline or structure around that, and that's what strategy ultimately provides. So I think that's symptomatic of the loss of strategic thinking, which is the whole point of writing mm. this series, giving people ammo going, Actually, just before you take someone's word for it, why don't you just think about it first? And mm. what is your objective? Um, do you start with a channel or do you start with an objective? And a lot of people get this order around the wrong way. And, um, and I think that's why it's kind of both right and wrong at the same time. I think there has been a transition with digital media that is a bit less – some of the mediums are a bit less rich and I think you lose a bit that other channels provide. And, and I find people come from a digital camp or they come from – some of the traditional agency, and I think I've come from all three worlds. Uh, started in large advertising agencies, not very long. Um, very traditional media, like digital was very new. Then I was like uh, in digital agencies, and then I sort of went to growth. Very different ways of looking at the same problem. How do we grow a company? How do we, you know, increase firm value or commercial value? So um, I think that's why maybe people are enjoying the, the very kind of triple-sided perspective of how this all works. Mm. So, so you said there that you feel like we've lost some of that strategic element. Why do you think that is? And, uh, and do we know that's the case? Or uh, that's, a, that's a complex answer. Yeah, I, I mean, there are some indicative things. I think we've been relying on vendors to do that thinking for us a lot. Um, I think strategy should always be internal, maybe complemented with external people, but a, a process that's really championed internally. Um, otherwise, you can suffer from buying into buzzwords, buying into things that aren't always true, um, which, you know, will, will work politically, but it isn't always good for the, the company's performance. So mm. I think it's that, that outsourced vendoring sort of, uh, I mean, we've outsourced every, pretty much every function of businesses now and have a very sort of lean team that's basically just glorified coordinators often. So um, I think we've just lost that naturally through that outsourcing process. Mm. So, so brand campaigns, and I agree, Think Different comes to mind, something like Just Do It. Do they work? And how do we know that they work? <laughs> That's a long answer. Um, yes, um, but there's a time and a place. And I was talking to another CMO just before this um, who worked on that campaign. Um, she lives in Australia now. but um, she... I think we can mention Susan Coghill yes, from yes. Tourism Australia. She'll be on. She is really good. Very interesting conversation. Um, and, yeah, she hand-delivered this package in October, which is very much around the same time. Anyway, um, there were certain circumstances, and I don't want to spoil – uh, part five, which goes through Think Different in detail. But there are very certain circumstances uh, that were affecting Apple at the time, which a lot of people don't know. And that's why I went into detail about there was uh, – oh, geez, that's good. Um, there was uh, some political problems there with Steve's return. There was um, – they were facing bankruptcy too. Mm. Uh, so this is a campaign designed to assure the whole world that Apple is here, it's going to be here for the future, and this is our long-term vision. And that was exactly what was needed at the time. Now, could, should you be doing that if you've got 
to increase earnings by 20% next month or whatever it is. Like, that's a very different objective. So I'm just saying there's a time and a place for all these types of campaigns, but it starts with your objective. Mm. And that's why that campaign was quite good for Apple at the time. Mm. I know you're a big proponent of Ehrenberg Bass and sort of marketing science. Um, you know, how can brands then, based on that marketing science, run effective brand campaigns? And, and what does an effective brand campaign look like to you? Yeah, so the, or to marketing science, so maybe. Was, I saw the study. I think uh, Kuhn Pauls uh, uh, posted it. It was like uh, they did a study about what is effectiveness in marketing. And it was like 170 different metrics. So uh, the short answer to that question is that effectiveness can mean anything for different companies at different stages. And you have to be really wary about that. And there's a lot of trade-offs. So um, if you optimize for one metric, you're forgoing maybe a metric that's tied to that, but a bit different. So um, I think you need to have a holistic perspective around effectiveness um, for that to be uh, a a good starting point for your campaign. What are the right metrics? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, uh, I mean, I deal with commercial value. It's a bit different to maybe some of the political benefits. Um, But... The way I would tackle this, and I was just talking to Susan about this, um, is that I would divide into three groups of metrics. And one is the primary effect from your campaign, like what is the primary thing you want to achieve? And then I would have secondary effects that maybe branch off that primary goal. And then again, another layer of tertiary effects. And by doing that, you can, you can sell a longer, more complex outcome from your campaign to the people who are financing it because they want to know, will it reach this metric? But you're like, well, we'll do that, but it'll also do this. And if it does that, then it does that. And that's one big part of strategy when you're doing your planning around objectives, uh, key results, that kind of thing. Which is very good with growth, growth, uh, Silicon Valley's growth method, I think. That's Mm. what they do very well. Mm. Um, I want to talk about this idea you've posted about online called the Marketing Initiative Conundrum. Um, Talk to me about the conundrum. Well, yeah, that's a good lead on. Um, So (laughs) there are certain things that are good for the company and there are certain things that are good for marketers, certain things that are good for maybe your vendors. And um, what I found is that uh, what makes you look good isn't always the thing that uh, makes the company perform. And it's about finding that balance. You need a bit of both. You need a bit of something that uh, you can attach to, you can sell internally um, that makes you look pretty good and, uh, you know, you want to further your career, I understand that. But also make sure that's a bit of the other side as well. And I think it's, mm. it's about finding that perfect mix. Now, what the matrix does is it divides different marketing initiatives, and there might be 10 there, into different quadrants. And um, I'm just trying to explain to people that some things that are maybe not sexy, maybe a bit boring, you know, market research, talking to customers, mm. um, really important won't win you many political favours though Mm. and other things are the opposite and it's just about maybe finding a balance when I do media planning about making sure you've got all those sort of things covered as much as you can. Mm. How did we sort of land here in your view? Why why are some things politically more viable than others? Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, That's a complex question. Uh, I would say uh, the roles now, it's it's like what the the organisation... rewards, I would say, and what it doesn't reward. And that starts at the top. So uh, if you don't understand what marketing is, you're going to get sold things that look good and you're going to buy into them. And then you're going to get annoyed at the marketer why that thing didn't work when all along you're the one who approved it. So like, I think it starts with, that's what this piece is about, educating the people that are then approving these decisions on behalf of the marketer at a board level. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, uh, you've talked a lot about um, availability Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to awareness. Talk more about availability and how can brands impart or, or focus on availability to drive 
better commercial outcomes rather than just, say, awareness. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you read, I'm not a huge fan of all of his work, but Peter Thiel makes a good point around uh, distribution being exclusive in a way that if you have good distribution, you can sell a product regardless of everything else in the mix. So it's um, not always the most interesting, but this is the old school business development. Um, just think of any tradie, right? Um, uh, actually, medicine is probably the best example. Uh, in Australia, you're not allowed to... It's been relaxed, but you're not allowed to advertise. There's very strict controls around advertising. So um, if you're a specialist or a consultant, for example, um, medical consultant, um, the way you would get uh, business is you'd go to your GPs and uh, you'd you know, take them out for lunch or dinner or something. That is their referral distribution network, right, because you're not allowed to advertise. So tradies are the same. You partner up with another tradie that is complementary to yours and you create this like network effect that can funnel business into you with zero uh advertising right mm. uh, what's better though is if you combine all these p's together and you add advertising on top of that um to make up for maybe some of the deficiencies in in your strategy and i think that's what maybe over the years the marketing's branched off into just comms just advertising and i think you need to bring it back as part of a bigger whole mm. and be, be aware of the trade-offs too <clears throat> right. It's funny. Um, one of the questions I ask on this show all the time is, uh, and I will ask you later, is what's the most underrated trend in marketing? And so many people speak about those fundamentals. Why do you think, um, why do you think so many people tell me that it's still underrated to focus on the fundamentals of, the, oh. I mean, the four Ps, for example? Because they work. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, but... The, but the I guess I, if it's underrated, uh, th- there's an inference there that they're sort of um, ignored. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the reason they're ignored is because... Uh, uh, one of those P's gets a lot more attention. People talk about it more. Um, but uh, Which one is that? <laughs> the promotional P, of course. But even within promotions, more the visual aspect of things. So it comes down to this, uh, I call it a, visibili- a visibility or tangibility bias. So mm. the things that we can see uh, that are most obvious to us, we tend to uh, invest most of our resources in because it's what you can see. But what's hidden underneath that iceberg is more powerful things, um, and I think that needs to get talked more about. But also the four Ps form, uh, they form a sort of synergistic effect between them, so it's a complex system, and they each play into one another, so you can't, for example, um, you know, luxury good, you put that in a Kmart store at a low price, it's not going to really work, right? right? So these all need to complement one another, um, and I think that's also what gets lost when these Ps break away from the bigger, bigger picture, and then that, uh, you know, they kind of use as a scapegoat for why things didn't work. I'm like, well, because you haven't... What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, um, so if I'm an executive, for example, and uh, I'm in a very competitive category and uh, maybe it's in decline, um, I'm going to put these bigger bets on bigger campaigns and ad campaigns and then blame the market or why it didn't work um, instead of looking more broadly at the entire sort of business growth cycle. And that's, that's where the growth method in Silicon Valley is really important because it, it looks at everything in terms of a loop feeding back into one another rather than as a, yeah, as opposed as a to, system, as opposed to department over here, department over there, department over there, no shared goals, politics in between, nothing gets done. Right, right. Um, I wanted to ask you about digital. Um, obviously, you mentioned yourself you've spent many years in digital and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we've been talking about and we'll talk about in these sessions this week is, you know, the power of the, the, the mainstream and mass cultural events and I guess this meme that, you know, um, uh, you know, it's all about digital, TV's dying, all of those sorts of memes. Tell me, what are your, what's your take on digital and how much of the ad market it's e- eaten over the last... 10 years and, and where are we at now? So, so, I mean, in general, you've probably all seen it, you've probably observed it. Uh, the yields from a lot of digital media are 
are dying. Uh, well, they're very expensive. Uh, so uh, what used to be cheap and effective, now we don't know how to optimize it because we're losing the feedback loop of privacy around attribution. So that's a right. massive problem that's creating this like uh, inflation, the cost of a lot of these mm. mediums. Um, and I think uh, other mediums are underrepresented and underappreciated because they're old. Mm. So, um, you know, we have this kind of fashion cycle in, in business. You know, you see the same, if you're old enough, you see the same thing coming back, just called something different. Um, and I think what, we have, what do you mean? Like, can an example? Like, no one uses the word synergy anymore. It's a growth loop, you know what I mean? Right, uh, right. So, oh, it's not, a growth loop started in, anyway, it's a long story, mm. but um, it started in airport, uh, airplane testing, actually. Um, but anyway, mm. um, so I think, you know, we have cycles and I think old mediums are traditional now. Uh, we underinvest in and the yields can be still there. Maybe they're not growing, but they can be very effective if, if you make a good decision. And um, uh, I actually had this example recently. Mm. Um, so startup uh, just down here, can't mention the name. Um, they're targeting, uh, you know, boomers uh, or 65 plus people looking to uh, retire basically. And um, they had made a deal through their investment um, structure to invest in a brand campaign. And this is where this comes from. Mm. But it was with a digital agency, which, you know, can work out. Uh, but what happened is uh, they put all their money into broad targeted Facebook advertising with a pretty weak um, creative, I would say. That just looked like any other ad mm. that you'd flick past. Mm. And they spent a lot of money on this in the 90% of the budget. And then it hasn't done anything. Um, and uh, I was like, well, you've got all these people sitting at home <laughs> watching TV. Um, you know, if I was targeting those people, I'd be at the RSLs um, doing activation events, for example. Um, this is a very high friction financial product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be doing like, you know, these uh, partnerships sort of events. I'd complement that with some, maybe some TV ads. Like you'll see the retirement village, you know, ads on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be doing some letter drops and things like that. Like not sexy kind of stuff, not mm-hmm. digital, but effective. And uh, I mean, you can only recommend so many things before they ignore you. And they went down this other road and it, and it ended badly. Now, I think the same is true maybe on the other side as well. Um, you can, and that's why I'm saying you should be a bit more agnostic about how these channels are chosen. Mm. And sort of just think through, like, who is your target market and uh, what are they consuming? Rather than, I think we should start with ABC channel and go from there and do some testing and figure out if it works or not. Like, it, you know, you can make five phone calls with your target market and figure out very quickly uh, which channels you should be investing in. Right. Um, that's, yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, I want to ask you some um, quick fire questions, uh, John. What's your favorite marketing campaign of all time? Um, okay, uh, it would be the Google campaign. Um, Google Pay, and it's not officially an uh, advertising campaign, but Google Pay, um, I said 18 or $20 billion a year to Apple uh, for default access to, uh, so in Safari, so the default homepage can be Google. Mm. Uh, and uh, $20 billion a year is one of the biggest campaigns in the world. Mm. Um, so that is a distribution play and, uh, and an advertising campaign almost in, in the same I feel like that's a thing. very John James answer, like not, okay. a mar- not a marketing campaign, but... <laughs> But the second one, I would, okay, I know this is cliche, but probably the Think Different campaign. Right. As much as I'm analyzing it and making sure people like, make a better decision about this campaign before they know the facts, um, that uh, it is actually uh, interesting in a number of ways when I did the research. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Talk more about Think Different if you, if you can. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but um, there's a lot of um, Steve Jobs uh, left through a broad a board sort of disagreement in 80, mm. just after that 1984 campaign. And then he um, started his own two companies, uh, Pixar, 
with Google, uh, George Lucas, who you probably know from Star Wars, and um, also he started Next Computers. Both became billion-dollar companies, multi-billion-dollar companies. Um, Apple then were basically in the in not a good place. Mm. Um, they, for the next 10 years after the Macintosh came out, had this string, that had this product line, which is crazy. Anyway, failing really badly. IBM and Microsoft are coming up and threatening you know, their dominance in the personal computing market. <laughs> and then uh, Steve basically gets brought back in only through an acquisition of Next Computers right. because their, their operating system was pretty terrible, Apple's at the time. So they basically bought Next and by virtue Steve back into the organization for their software, right? And, and then um, one of the first things he does, and this is interesting, uh, Steve cuts the whole product line. He gets rid of 90-something percent of the, all their products and focuses on just a couple. Uh, he then uh, creates this, this campaign that we all know. Um, and then um, the effect that campaign had was exactly what the company needed, and it worked in multi-dimensions. And um, there's a lot of other things that went on, but... Um, yeah, mm. that's why I think it's one of the most effective campaigns because the whole company was about to collapse. Uh, the share price was terrible. They were mm. about to go bankrupt. Mm. I have to ask you an <clears throat> unplanned question. What, what mm. do you think makes the Apple brand so special? Okay. Uh, it's a product ecosystem effects. So mm. they uh, have a suite of products that all play into one another. Again, right. talking about network effects. And uh, they have switching barriers, you know, cords, dongles. Mm. Have you ever switched from you know non-Apple to Apple and back again? It's mm. a nightmare, right? But if you ever create another Apple device, it's very seamless. You know, mm. oh, that one just gets transferred. Getting a new phone, for example, easy, yeah. easy. So uh, they're really good with that sort of that friction, uh, right. either inserting friction intentionally around switching or reducing friction when you get a new product. Mm. Uh, so I think that is underrepresented, and mm. um, that's and I guess quite the, so strong. The it just works meme, which it's I mean, true. until recently. Yeah. Um, has been very true. Yeah. yeah, and I think their advertising really, if you if you look deeper below, uh, behind the visuals, um, a lot of it is around uh, cultural relevance. Um, mm. I don't want to sort of parrot someone else here, but, you know, simplicity of technology making your life easier. Right. And that has there's been a theme that's always been uh, touted since Steve Jobs' early days all the way through. So there's simplicity even in the way their ads are created, so they're not too busy. Um, maybe lately it's got a bit more. Mm. A bit different. I'm not a huge mm. fan. There's but, something yeah. around, I guess, like you know, status. Um, mm. The and I think simplicity yeah. of message. I think we try to communicate too much, and I think what they do is they spend a lot of time making it as simple as possible, mm. so that we get the message. Um, and yeah, there's this famous thing where Johnny Ives, Steve Jobs, is in a, in a boardroom table, and uh, uh, Steve goes, "Oh, we need to include this and this and this headline, that headline, all in the same ad." So Johnny Ives uh, <laughs> scrunches up all the all the bits of paper, five bits of paper and throws them all at once to Steve, and he can't catch any of them. And then Steve goes, oh, yeah, I get your point. And they went with one message instead of five. Mm. So I think that's really key. That's really hard. That requires um, you know, trade-offs and ignoring certain things and figuring out exactly where the opportunity in the market is and, and saying that in the, in the fewest amount of words you can. Right, right. Um, all right, so you can't say Apple, but um, what's the best brand in the world right now? Ooh, uh, best brand. Uh, my favorite brand? Uh, yeah, or your, or, your, or your favorite. Uh, there's a zip brand in Japan called PKK, and nobody talks about this. Um, they make zips for all your clothes. Um, what, do you, what do you mean, like replacement zips? No, no, these sort of brass zippers. They make premium style brass zippers. If you go to any you know, good quality uh, clothing, uh, they'll have a PKK on it. Um, so that's, they make zips. And how I think big it's hilarious. How big is the business? Uh, huge. Wow. Multi-billion dollar. Um, and yeah, nobody knows about them, but... If you go through your wardrobe, you'll see, look at the Zip brand and you'll probably see PKK on there. Mm. Very cool. You learn something every day. Um, most overrated trend in marketing right now? Oh, overrated. Uh, 
Mm, this is hard. Maybe digital for digital's sake. I think. Mm, tell uh, me, just elaborate. Um, uh, like I say, like where's your starting point with your decision making? Um, and I think people just go for buzzwords, go for something they're familiar with instead of thinking, again, strategically, why am I doing this? For who? What effect are we trying to get? And I think um, there's a lot of social cachet in appearing techy, right? And, um, you know, we're at a tech festival right? and I work mm. in tech. Um, mm. and, and sure, there is. Um, but it, it should be – tech for me is just like a subset of services, um, the services industry and, and there's hardware as well. But I mm. think um, – yeah, like maybe just think about some of the more traditional ways of getting your product to market and marketing um, that are maybe unrepresented. Mm. Or and I liked your example of the like the flyers in the yeah direct mail. Yeah, it yeah. feels like yeah. So there's a there's a um, there's a gym down here called Locker Room. Uh, do you know where it is? Just down here, Circular Key. Um, they uh, they did a really good campaign through direct mail through all the finance. CEO bros uh, down that end of the city, and uh, they they sent them one boxing glove. In direct mail, um, it was registered post, hand delivered via courier, um, giving them one one boxing glove, like CEOs, which are mm. horrendously hard to get a hold of. I know because mm. I target them, um, <laughs> and uh, they gave them one boxing glove, and it said, "To get the other glove, come down here for a boxing session," and um, that was their whole business model based on direct mail. Mm. So there you go. Um, what are the biggest lies that marketers tell themselves? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, that I uh, probably shouldn't say this, but like the promotional P is the most powerful. Mm. I think it is if you use it in conjunction with the other P's and uh, that's very critical. So I wouldn't start always there. I start with uh, a, a, a combination of brand and product elements that I combine to call and pricing and position to call the offering and that's mm. the thing that you're actually selling. You then need to put that into a messaging strategy like how are we going to communicate what we're selling and then you, you talk about what channels that you want to distribute that through, both your distribution network and both through media. And I think a lot of people start right at the end mm. instead of starting there. Mm. And then they wonder why it doesn't work. Mm. I want to do a TikTok, a TikTok ad or a TV ad. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right. I heard TikTok's big. Let's go into TikTok. I'm like, okay, why is your target market there? Um, right. Is that the right medium for you? Yeah, there's a lot of questions around that. Mm. Maybe it is. Maybe mm. it isn't. So. Right. Um, all right. So the opposite of overrated then. What's the most underrated trend? In marketing, right old school now. channels. Sorry, old school channels. I just old. mentioned direct mail. Mm. Maybe well, I wouldn't call it old school, but like TV gets underrepresented. Mm. I think in especially in. Um, <laughs> I think especially, that wasn't planned. I especially promise. in tech. Um, if you go around the city, you'll see Canva does a lot of outdoor ads right. in all the major cities. Maybe not so much in Sydney, but other ones like they're everywhere. Um, I saw on the hoarding of the plane coming in today, uh, binge ads on the. You know, the ramp extension out to your, uh, what do you call that thing? The gangway, you know, out to your aircraft on the side hoardings was, you know, a binge. So a tech company using right. outdoor, <laughs> you know, in a pretty grubby place with an air, air, airport um, apron. Mm, um, and I think that, uh, that was interesting, but they bought out the whole airport. Like every single one was binge, mm. so I noticed it. Mm. Um, I noticed it as well. Yesterday it was when very came bright. Um, mm. So they're using that contrast white with very colors. Um, so I think, you know, maybe just have a think about what are the channels that are maybe underappreciated, that aren't sexy, that you could play around with. And I think mm. that's... I think r- radio comes to mind there as well. It's still... I saw the numbers recently yep. on <clears throat> Australian radio and it's like unfathomable how Pod- big it podcasts. still is. Podcasts, of course. Um, uh, before we get to Q&A, John, um, who should I have on the show next? Who, who is someone that I should be speaking to? Well, to learn Susan, more. Susan's coming on Friday, so I'd right. say her. Um, Be here on Friday, everyone. Oh, wow. That's a good question. Like in Australia or? No, we're global, so. Oh, global. Okay. Um, 
Ross Sargent, I interviewed him. He worked for Asahi as the head of media. Mm. And he was really interesting. because you say he, Asahi? Yeah, Asahi Group. Yeah. Um, so they own most of the beers in Australia. Mm. <laughs> um, but they're a global organization. He's just moved to Alwyn, I think it's called, which is the biggest. They spend over a billion dollars a year in advertising. So they're basically Europe's biggest advertiser. Wow. And we talk a lot. And um, he was the one who came out very early against Peter... Feel and Benet's 60-40 rule and said like... What's the 60-40 rule, sorry? Oh, we should be spending 60% in this and 40%, you know, short-term, long-term kind right. of thing, right? Um, and basically he had data to prove otherwise and he said it's not always that. And most people assume that it's kind of true but also inaccurate to allocate percentages, right? And um, anyway, he's very interesting because he's worked in uh, multiple countries with lots of media spend and um, he's doing a big sort of renewal thing right now with globally, so... Great, you'll have to introduce me. John, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the On The Moment podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss upcoming episodes. And to suggest a guest or provide feedback, please visit our dedicated podcast hub at ownthemomentpod.com.